Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to Madame Pear Salon, the podcast that loves you, the podcast where fascinating people meet. I'm your host, your spiritual advisor and groove mistress, Madame Perry, but you can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, Perry, I don't care. I'm just happy to have you here. And thanks to everyone who has been uh, subscribing on different platforms or, or podcast apps and for the nice reviews that you leave i really appreciate it last week uh last weekend uh fiona the corgi and i went to tucson for the wild wild west con steampunk festival and i had had most of the uh people who were being featured or uh, the presenters like madame askew and the grand arbiter doc stone uh, who was a maker a leather worker Stephen Torres, who's an artist, sculptor, and winner of uh, not this year's, but the last one's a splendid teapot race with his first uh, racing teapot. Just, just a load of fun, and it was a great weekend. And if you have a, if you like steampunk, or even if you don't know it, if you've never been, go to Wild Wild West Kong, and it'll. <laughs> The trip really did change my life, especially after this last one. So, uh, thank you so much. By the way, we had uh, not where, or at least he's always on social media talking about it. So, if you didn't get his last album or haven't seen him, definitely try to see him when he comes to see you. Uh, he was one of the nicest people to have on the show, and I really appreciated it. Also, Brandy Stillwell, uh, someone asked me in Tucson about her book. Brandy Stilwell was first on here about four or five years ago. I think it was after she had been working on shows like Family Guy and American Dad and stuff. And she was working for DC Comics, I believe. And one of the characters she created in her improv group, the Groundlings, was a Sasquatch named, uh, who, who was also a detective. And became so popular they said well why don't you just go ahead and do a comic book on it and we'll we'll publish it so she had the off the uh, artist uh draw tanya lightfoot the sasquatch detective as a sasquatch version of audrey hepburn which is adorable and uh she was on with that but now she has a new book called none of this is going according to plan and it's about Life as a you know Midwestern gal going to film school and then going to L.A. and all the wild misadventures and you'll if you listen to the show I just quit talking to her and laid my head down and laughed while she talked but uh, that's great also one more thing our friend Franny Goldie Franny Goldie who is a songwriter a, uh, Grammy award winning songwriter you know most of the songs she's written uh, Night Shift by the Commodores Dreaming by Selena, Stick With You, Pussycat Dolls, all those people. 
she, you know, when she was on here, she was talking about her clothing line, and she's got some new stuff in. And if you go to her website, Franny Goldie, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E, and look at the new things she's got, as well as the magic pants that Adam Glassman from Oprah Magazine is always talking about on different TV shows. Whatever you buy, when you get to the end and check out, put an M-P-S, the initials of Madame Perry Salon, um, and Franny will give you a nice, she'll give you a little discount there, which is nice. Very, very nice. Do that. Tonight's guest is going to, oh, this is so cool. My phone is still lighting up about this, so um, I know it's going to be fun. Tonight's guest uh, worked for two decades as an actor, and uh, before going to her first love, writing, uh, graduate with distinction from the UCLA Extension Writers Program. I like that. Uh, author of Mothers and Other Strangers, her newest book is The Wise Women from HarperCollins. You know, I could just keep on talking about her. Uh, she's also a <clears throat> has her own agency. She's a creative director and brand storyteller, brand creator. I'm just going to say I am thrilled to have right here live in the genie bottle. Goodness knows, I hope she's comfortable because be fun. Please welcome for a first time, and I do hope not the last time, to Madame Perry Salon, Gina Sorrell. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Comfortable, never mind. I might never leave. It's wonderful <laughs> here. <laughs> we tried to get a nice out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try well, not to. I'll try not to overstay my welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, delighted. Wait till I bring in the guys that fan you with the palms. Then you won't ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> So true, so true. I saw them on my way in. I wasn't sure if they were correct. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid that one of them might look like one of the uh, the younger ones, like the uh, the character that played the mummy in the TV show you were in. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be rather terrifying. <laughs> That's my past <laughs> literally coming back to haunt me. <laughs> we'll be in trouble. What was the name of that? The Mummies. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. You're right. It's called. It's called I Love Mummy. Yeah, I absolutely. Love- and it was such a crazy premise. I mean, it's you know this family just happens to discover a sarcophagus in their attic, and they open it up, and it's this teenage boy, but who's also a mummy, and so he's a whole fish out of water, and he's you know privileged, but he's also a teenager. So um, that was fun. It was a fun show. It was really slapstick, really over the top, and. Uh, <laughs> It was a riot. It was just a riot to do. <laughs> so, so you had two decades working as an actor. Um, I did. The, does it? Did it kind of? Does it? Does it ever? Did it wear you out sometimes? Or you just? Uh... Yeah. No, it really did. I mean, I went to a. I, I loved it. I went to performing arts school when I was much younger, and. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was, it was fantastic. Like I got to learn about all the different arts and it was its first of its kind in Canada. And so, um, it was, was just really special. You know, I got to dance, I got to sing, I got to do drama, I got to do mime. I don't know if that really is Whoa. anything that anybody ever wants to see me do again. <laughs> and, you know, you know, and it's the world's worst mime. And I got to, you know, play an instrument and sing. It was just a really well-rounded arts education. I fell in, I fell in love with acting, but. You know, the interesting thing is, is that even back then, it was the storytelling that I liked the most. 
You know, I loved that, taking people away with a story. And so, um, you know, it's a lot of uh, people, I was like, that's it. And once you find something you're passionate about, it's like, I'm going to do this. And I'm very fortunate to have um, parents who are incredibly supportive and, you know, didn't say, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> How are you ever <laughs> going to pay your bills? They're just like, sure, <laughs> terrific. Um, I'm also the youngest of three. So I think that by then, too, they're like, go for it, kids. But, um, you know, so I, I did it for, for a long time. And I went to New York and I went to school in New York. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I, uh, I fell in love with that city. Oh, my gosh. It was my first home away from home. And, um, you know, I, and it, it's always going to be in my heart. And, and then I, I worked there. Um, I don't even want to say I worked. I didn't work on Broadway. I didn't work off Broadway. I worked off, off Broadway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it paid my dues like everybody else, stuffing my envelopes full of headshots and resumes because you could still do that back then, right? Mail them off for jobs and get mm-hmm. open calls for casting. And I did that. And then I came back to Toronto and it was hard. I just, you know, I couldn't get an agent and I couldn't get, uh, you know, so you can't get an agent then you can't get work. You don't have auditions. And so I, um, I remember my mother said to me, Oh, for crying out loud, you know, pick yourself up. Why don't you do something and take this course at second city You're so serious. It'll just, you know, it'll be really, really just give you a chance to get outside of yourself and remember what's fun about what you do. And she was, you know, she was right. She also kicked my butt to get to UCLA. So, I mean, she's, you know, she's really right. She's got a bit of Wendy in her there with the advice. And mm-hmm. I, um, and so I did. I went, to, I, uh, I went to Second City and I took classes there. And, you know, I met these fantastic people. And we formed a sketch comedy group called uh, The Stupid Good Lookings, which is a line from <laughs> The Flintstones. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but they used to have an episode where it says, you know, you're stupid good looking, you're stupid good looking to die. And uh, <laughs> what accent that is, I don't know. But, um, and we had, you know, we had a really great time. And, you know, most of us got a chance to audition from our group for, for the Second City Touring Company. And they had what was called an auxiliary touring company then, like the oh. sort of the stand-in company, the, the baby touring company, the, the, um, you know, the I guess the, the substitutes, if anybody is sick in the touring company. And then I got moved to the touring company. And then, you know, not too long after that, I got invited to be a part of the Second City main stage. And I did that in Toronto. Mm. And that was, that was a a lot of fun, but you're right. It is a, you know, it's a hard go. You know, you're always going from gig to gig and there's so many things that are beyond your control. And, you know, I, for me as an actor, I felt really dependent on other people creating the work for me um, mm-hmm. because I was, you know, pursuing, especially um, after leaving Second City, a lot of film and television, you have to wait for those parts to come along and then you got to hope that you get the chance to audition for them. So I think during my whole career, I was really looking for ways to just stay creative and do things to be able to really use my craft and use my creativity. And I ended up writing stuff for myself. I wrote sketch comedy. I wrote a short film. I did uh, one act plays. And, you know, the writing was always, always a constant. And the nice thing was, is that the writing is something that, you know, you don't, the writing part, you don't really need anyone else to do. You can go away and do it for hours at a time if you have them. You know, you can spend years on a novel. You know, goodness knows I did on my first one. And it's, a, it's, it's not until you go out in the world and try to get an agent and try to get a publisher that you have to um, really take it public and then expose it to people. And I think that was mm-hmm. just something that was really 
uh, it was it was a relief in many ways for me. You know, after so many years of being public and really trying to get jobs, and I did work. I was really fortunate. You know, I did work, but it never felt like enough. And I thought, oh, I don't want to have a whole life of just wanting. You know, I mean, everyone's experience is different. You know, I had friends who would have a gig and love the time off in between, you know. Whereas I would be like, what's next? What's next? You know, twiddling my thumbs. What's next? What's next? And I need to be busy. And, um, yeah, so I think I – and I always wanted to be the one to go, okay, now's the time, you know. So after I moved to Los Angeles and I worked there for a few years, I thought, okay, this is, this is a good time. Like, I'm spending more time reading the scripts and loving the scripts and wanting to know about, you know, the directors and the producers and the writers than I am about – the you know the actors or trying to get those parts so it seemed to be a, a good time to to turn my attention elsewhere and and to see if I could make something uh, of a life as a writer. You know, and and yeah, you're right. There's so there are so many steps that people don't see, and then especially because you're always having to to get more work and and go through all the steps yeah. to get there. Um, you know, I remember I, was, I think I was talking to you about Arden Marine. Uh, comedian and actor, yeah. you know, in, in her book, Little Miss Little Compton, she said, you know, she learned early, you know, you have to pivot, you know, when I couldn't get a part in a play at school, when I couldn't yep. get something here, I would just sit down and I just started to write my own. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Pivot is the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, she said, you've got to pivot. So you can't just sit there and wait for it to happen. You've got to make it. So if you have to write your own and put it on somewhere, that's what you do if this is what you want to do. And yeah. I realize that so um yeah, if you can't do that as as a um as a publicist, one of the things that I loathe is when a TV show has somebody that's in a series and all of a sudden they start to write. I've decided to write a book and you know what's gonna happen. In about two more episodes mm-hmm. their book is out, it's got a big publisher <laughs> and there's a line of people around the block to buy it, right? And yeah, you know, yeah. No, not again. It doesn't happen that way. So that when people call me to to hire me, of course, that's what they think. Um, if, if I had a if I if I had a buck for every time I'd heard, I don't want to do those little shows. Just put me on Oprah and NPR. Oh, sure. Is that an option? I missed that box. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, first <laughs> the of all, you have to <laughs> You'd have to time travel back to April 2012 or before. Exactly. That's when Oprah went off the air. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so true. I've had people say that to me too. I've had so many people say, you know what you need? You just need Oprah to pick your book up and, put, and have you as a guest on the show. And I'm like, look, I don't know. I know that I don't watch a lot of TV, but you really like. You need to dust that thing off that's sitting in the front of your living room there. Like, it's not been on the air. You're right. In a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all, you know, I think that's part of it is, you know, and you know this from, from your work and all your experience is that, you know, that's the, that's sort of the, the magic story about it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and people, people love those stories. It's like, that's like the lottery, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, write a book and it was a huge hit and there you go. But it's, you know, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. that way. That that will sour me on a series or anything just a little fast. I go, don't do this to people, please. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, and and you know, as an actor, how you go, you plan, you got, you you had all of your training, and you had mag. I mean, you yeah. had stellar training. You had the top, you know, 
the the top classes. You everything from mime, for goodness sake, you know, acting, a musician, <laughs> uh, dancing, singing, whatever you did. But um, yeah, and still, it's getting people to see you as that. Um, I know back in um, the '90s when I had a jazz band and I sent this is cassette tapes. Okay, I sent cassette tapes out. Finally, got yep. an agent to call me. And she wanted to hire me to be a fortune teller at a stockbroker convention. And I go, <laughs> you know, and yep. went, my first thought is, she listened to my tape and she liked it. It's like, she did not listen to my tapes. And then before I could say it, she goes, listen, I know you're not, you're, I know you're not a fortune teller, but I figure you'll make people laugh. If I hire a professional, they'll bring people down, tell them they're going to die. You'll just make them laugh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's, I was, it's look, strange. Yeah, yeah. You, it's not the way people say it. You, and you do have to be able to. I'm sure you could tell me uh, a whole lot more um, adventurous stories like that that have happened to you. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I was just thinking, of it, it, it's strange uh, to just to see where those skills take you, though. You know, she, she had a point, like you having those skills. And being used to a crowd and dealing with people and, and being able to, you know, quite literally rock and roll with it, you know, to be able yeah. to, 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 to handle a crowd, right, and, and to handle that. I think it's that uh, we never know when those skills are going to come up in other oh, ways. You're, you are so right, because that's why I took stand-up comedy classes. I thought, I don't want to be the person that's standing there when somebody breaks a string or, or something, he goes, okay, uh, yeah. we'll be back. And just, I wanted to be able to do like Tody Fields and work the crowd or something. So, yeah. Yeah, you know exactly. How. So, let's talk more. Yeah. Okay. So, Mothers and Other Strangers yeah. has gotten so many reviews. It, it brought you massive fans. And with the Wise okay. Women coming out, is it April 5th? April 5th, that's right, Tuesday, April 5th. It's always on a Tuesday, first Tuesday of April. Okay, because when I went to, to order the audio book, okay, they, you can get it, but you know you won't have it till April 5th. Yeah, I got that. I got that. I can read. <laughs> I'll deal with it, but just go ahead. So um, this has already got such excellent reviews, and even my uh, um, my assistant, Meg, you know, she's going, oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. And she keeps trying to oh, tease me so with nice. bites of it. Um, so tell us about the wise women. No, wait just a minute. Let me just kind of lean into, we both sure. love your friend, Carolyn. Leave it. Oh, yeah. Adore her. I adore her, too. Uh, it says, gorgeous, witty, and so alive, you'll swear the pages are breathing. Sorrells the wise women sets. Two extraordinary. Extraordinary grown sisters and their controlling mother on a collision course when the bottom falls out for them personally and professionally. About the price of real estate, the power of aging, class, parenting, family, and of course, love. The wise women is at heart about finding your personal true north, and I'd follow these three women anywhere. And coming from Carol. Carolyn, and also, you know, not just because she's a great writer, but, you know, she did have a feature in Modern Love about a turtle, so. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, she's an extraordinary writer. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and it's such a, such a generous blurb, and I love that Modern Love article. It was so good. Minnie, that was her turtle's name, right? Minnie, the tortoise. Um, yeah, well, she, she nails it. You know, she really nails it. Um, 
It is. The Wise Woman is the story of two adult daughters and their meddling advice columnist mother. And I, I set it in New York City, and it picks up just as the youngest daughter, Clementine, has the rug yanked out from underneath her. And as her mom and her sister rush to her aid, you know, we realize that they aren't just running there to help, but they're also running away from their own mounting problems. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's really, it's, for me, it's a story about, uh, it's a, it's a, so what happens when the rug gets pulled out from underneath us? You know, who do we turn to and what is it that we're willing to do in order to move forward? So to me, it's really just a story about the resilience of women and the way that we support one another and, and, you know, the price that we're willing to pay, not just to keep going, but to get to where we hope to be. And the thing, when we start off with, with, with Clementine and her story, yeah, she's such a, uh, well, she's probably a lot of women, a lot of us, you know, she, she's got talent, she's got brains and, with the challenges with her husband, she's going old school because of some advice yeah. that her mother gave somebody else. So, yeah. and it and it's not a good idea. It wasn't a good idea. No, it wasn't a good idea. And I think you're I think you're absolutely right. You know, she's she's dealing with them. She has, as you said, she has a lot of talent. She has a lot of agency on her own, right? But she mm-hmm. is also living with somebody whose ego is you know, pretty fragile. And, uh, and there's a real struggle between them as to, you know, I, which I think there's a, in, in a lot of couples where both people, you know, like a lot of different forms of couples, like, you know, where both people are working, where both people are creative, where both people are self-employed or have demanding jobs, you know, they're constantly, because they're both self-employed, you're constantly looking at whose turn is it, right? Whose turn is it? And, um, and Clementine is really doing what, you know, she, she has a career and her husband Steve is really struggling and he goes back to business school and he keeps wanting to start these startups and as a way to placate him and as uh, she takes, you know, it's really sort of outdated advice from her mom and she lets him have control of their finances, right? I mean, let him feel like he's got that, you know, he's the man of the house and, um, and you're right. It is a terrible idea. It is a it is a terrible idea, and it comes back to bite her in the butt. Mm-hmm. And and, and your words are perfect. She she let him. Yeah. And not oh, just yeah. as in giving up her power, but as in it's like letting a kid play something, play that they're a, a superhero or something. She lets him do this. That's and, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. She enables it. Right. She puts it in. You know, she, she puts it in motion. She has responsibility of her own situation. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really important to me that, because I think that happens to a lot of us in life, you know, is um, you, we, we aren't, it, things don't just happen to us, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we participate in, in our own journeys. Um, and even if they take us far away from where we hope to be, you know, at some point we have to, to reckon with the choices that we've made. And, and I'm not saying that we have to live with them forever, but I think, you know, we do have to have some accountability if we're really going to be able to change our situation or move forward. I'm talking about people who have the option of making choices, of course, you know. Um, when, in the situation of these women, you know, it, it's about how they, you know, for Clementine Steve, like how they structure their marriage and what they chose to do with their money. And, you know, for Barb, her sister, you know, it's the choices that she made on her way to becoming a successful architect and how she's you know, contributing to the gentrification, which is 
um, really, you know, taking over the neighborhoods that she once loved in a way that she doesn't love anymore, right? And for Wendy, you know, Wendy really pursued her career. She had to. She was a divorced mom and a single mom. But, you know, she, she did it at a cost to her own children, you know, in many ways. Um, she's what she had to do for herself and to provide, but there was, a, there was a, a price for it. You know, she also can't deny that. She can't just pretend it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. it was really important to me that they're, they were fully realized, complicated women who mm-hmm. I wanted the reader to be able to understand why they did the things that they did, even if the reader didn't agree with those choices. That was really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we see in the beginning, like, it, because the thing is, these are so, these women are so real. We, you know, we can see ourselves in them. We can see our friends in them. We can see our relationships. They're sisters. They're close. You can tell they love each other. Yeah. But they're also each carrying something for, for a while that they don't want to share with each other. That's I mean, right. because they yeah. feel embarrassed or... Yeah. No, you're, you're, that's, that's, it's, no, that's absolutely true. Um, they are, they are carrying, you know, they're carrying a secret and they're carrying a burden and they're, they're helping one another without being fully honest and they're judging one another as well. Right. Without being fully honest about their own shortcomings and misgivings. Um, and so that becomes, I, you know, that becomes a challenge for them, right. Until they're able to mm-hmm. really, deal with their own things. They won't be able to fully support one another. So I mean, they each have their own, they each have their own journey in the story. And to tell us about the, the third woman in this, the mother. Wendy, Wendy Wise. Yeah. So, you know, Wendy, yeah, I love Wendy. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, she, she's such a meddler, but I thought, you know, I was thinking about Wendy. I have a soft spot for Wendy. You know, um, I had one friend who read Wendy and said, oh, my gosh, she is just impossible. That woman. And I was like, hey, 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 easy. I love that woman. (laughs) 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 Don't make me fight you about Wendy here. But, you know, I understand. Like, she is really, she's 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 a meddler. She's one of those mothers that gets in there and she, um, likes to get up in your business and give out advice, even if it's not the right advice. And part of that is Wendy has made a career out of giving women advice. She's an advice columnist. And for me, I wanted to explore the idea of um, what would that be like if somebody sort of took that to the next level? You know, if you had a mother or a mother-in-law who was, you know, sort of always giving their two cents, but then got really got rewarded for that. Like, how would that grow? How would that change them? And for Wendy, it's made her, you know, she's, she's a bit of an expert on what other people should do. And yet, the kind of woman that she gives advice to, she is not one of those women. You know, she gives advice to kind of outdated advice to a really traditional type of woman. And there's Wendy. I mean, she's, you know, she's widowed, she's divorced, she's got secrets of her own, you know, she's, she's, um, she's, many, she's very contemporary, right? But she's telling other people, you know, the ways to be and things that work out, but she's not following her own advice. And exactly. you know, I think we see that a lot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but Wendy, you know, and, and I'm fascinated that, and, and delighted that you brought in a, an advice columnist because we have an image. But I remember growing up and reading Dear Abby and Dear Anne and what they were yeah. sisters, but they didn't talk for decades, did they? No, no, I know. 
And I, I went looking for some of the advice um, when I was researching this book. And some of it is just absolutely terrible. I mean, it's really shocking. Things you would never <laughs> suggest to somebody today. You know? And uh, and I just thought, wow, they printed that. And then more than that, people repeated it. And they chose to, you know, to take, to, take it to heart and abide by it. Um, it was really fascinating. Yeah, and they had totally different approaches to it. And also, I loved how it's such a contrast to, like, the advice columns of today, you know. And, and many people um, are, while they're still, you know, advice columnists, there's also this whole other way that people see you can get advice from the Internet and on Instagram and, like, somebody who's an influencer, you know, like the character Samantha Love, you know, who's, like, speaking from her heart and telling women like it is and, you know, and in many ways kind of preaching to them, right, about mm-hmm. what they, you know, about the world and how they got to go out there and, you know, make it for themselves. And, um, and so, you know, who we turn to has also changed so much. And I thought it'd be really fun to give, to give Wendy kind of the new version of herself, you know, in many ways, her, her opposite, but like, you know, the Wendy, not even 2.0, but Wendy, like, you know, 3.0, <laughs> like, you know, many, many generations out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah it's right with the, with the uh oh my gosh the dear Anne, dear abby you know i remember reading one um um okay i'm gonna go ahead and say this where somebody yeah. was writing in about i'm this many years old and i'm still wearing a triple a bra whatever and she says and the advice was well what nature's forgotten stuff with cotton i swear to god that's what it said oh my gosh i wish that I had put something like that in the book. That is hilarious and terrible. But I just mean, I love that, that pithy tag. Like, that's a, just, a, just that great sound bite, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. And so I did. And you can imagine how I felt when I leaned down to pick up my books out of my desk and one of my cottons had fell on the floor. So, yeah. <laughs> you were, like, leaving a trail there. <laughs> I just think I was like, oh, I wonder where this came from. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> exactly. You would dare say like, that to someone today? Oh God, yes. No, nobody would. That would be uh, oh, for for just a long list of reasons why you wouldn't say that today. You know. And then as I yeah. grew up and I began, re- then there were different people. Like I think there was a guy named Jake in Ingenue magazine. Then there was E. Jean Carroll, and of course, oh and, yeah, uh, ask E. Jean and. Yeah, and there's Dear Ellie is one also here in Canada. But oh yeah, I used to read Ask Eugene. I mean, yeah, religiously, I would grab that magazine. At my parents, my parents had a beauty salon. My dad's a hairdresser, and oh. um, and I used to, you know, that was one of my favorite things. They had stacks of magazines. Like you had to get the yeah. magazines monthly, right, for all the ladies yeah. who were coming in for their regular appointments. And then I had, and then there were the weeklies, which were all, you know, the trashy ones. My mom used to say, which were just so fun. And, you know, and I would run and I'd look at all the different advice columns. And, you know, they usually were close to somewhere near the astrology columns as well. But I'd always grab that Ask Eugene on the Elle magazine and just really seriously take her advice to heart, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Total total turnaround. Like, okay, this is more like it. And, of course, now if I read the New York Times, there's what, Roxane Gay is your work buddy to answer questions. And uh, was it Philip Galanos is the ethicist. It's not his advice. It's the ethicist. And, uh, yeah, thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> because oh, like, I know. The thing there's, about, there's so many good I, ones. I love the the um the palette, I guess, that is that is Wendy because she's uh She's she's the advice column that's popular that's giving this this fifties type advice, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, if he's not if your husband's if you're the breadwinner, make him feel like the bread baker, okay, or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But then she's off on her own and she calls her girls just to say, "I'm on book tour. I'll be here," so they'll know where she is. Oh, she's in some glamorous oh, hotel. Yeah. She's got a secret <laughs> life, Wendy. I know. You know. I you think know. about it. She's. All these things, she's really telling women to, like, make, you know, put your husband first, invest in your marriage, make sure they're happy. And she's writing this advice at the time when she's, you know, a single woman living in Manhattan, going into work. And her daughter, older daughter, Barb, is having to take care of a lot of the, the child rearing, right? Take the brunt of that, of her absence by looking out for Clementine, you know? So it's, it's interesting. And I think part of that for me was, you know, I feel like we... And I don't, I don't know, maybe, well, I'm going to say it. I feel like we, we see that a lot, or I have seen that a lot with men, for example, you know, who will um, maybe say, this is, how, this is how things happen in business, or have a separate <clears throat> set of rules. And I was sort of looking at, you know, how they do things or how other people do things, like traditionally coming up, right? I'm not saying it's the way that it is now necessarily, though I'm sure it still is in some places, and I'm not trying to just call out guys. But mm-hmm. um, I thought, what if it was a woman who was like that as well? You know, because it, because it has to be. It wasn't only men who were running those magazines, right? There had to be mm-hmm. somebody who was complicit in that, somebody who participated in that. And I thought it would be really interesting to make it Wendy. Now, look, if you read the book, as you know, and, you know, um, hopefully people will discover there, she has her reasons for doing what she did, and, and that, was, that was important to me. But she still did it. She still participated in that um, that falsehood, right, of what a woman's role should be and how a woman should uh, behave in the home and where her priorities should be and how she should really put her husband first and her marriage first. And um, and I just wanted, you know, I, I wanted to just take some time to to explore somebody who had had done that, even though they didn't live that life. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, I mean, she, she's espousing June Cleaver, preaching it, and yet at the same time, she's she's one of these women. I love it when I see women who, even though they've gone through something bad, like maybe they're, they're in the 60s, 70s, and their husband dies or something changes in their life, and all of a sudden, they just blossom into a whole new social creature. Yes. I yes, love I've it. seen that, too. It's amazing. I've seen that, too. I've witnessed that, and it's it's always, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, was that person in you all along? You know, and then what was it like to keep that person to what, like, stuck inside you for all that time? You know, it's, it's, it's so sad in many ways, and it's also, you know, it, it's wonderful to see, but it, it also makes me think, like, oh, my gosh, like, all those years that you, you know, pushed that person aside or pushed that, you know, part of your personality down inside, I mean, it's... Uh, it seems like, you know, it's not for me to say, but it, it seems like such a tragedy that it couldn't come out sooner. But sometimes sometimes it takes a big event or a large catalyst to mm-hmm. really shake things up and allow that to happen. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or a friend of mine's mother who's, uh, when her father got Alzheimer's and then he passed away, and she had, you know, cared for him, uh, not completely because he was in um, 
a place where he could be taken care of, but her apartment was nearby, and it's near the Notre Dame campus where all the kids and their family go to school. And now, once their husband's gone, all of a sudden, her apartment is the is the hangout place for all the sports teams, male and female, with wow. Notre Dame. You know, That's sort amazing. of like, now what do I do? I know. Yeah. I'll have my nieces and nephews come and bring their friends over. That's what I'll do now. Yeah. So I love that. I yeah. love to see women like that. Now, That's amazing. We're going to talk more, but first of all, I want to say, if you're listening to the live show, and this is March 15th, 2022 at 8.36 p.m. Eastern Time, and you have a question or a comment for Gina Sorrell, you can give us a call at 646-716-9922. If you can't make a call, and a lot of people can't, I don't know about you, Gina, but I've been in a situation where you're listening, but you can't make a phone call because of your, your job yep. or whatever. You can always message it in uh, to me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry. Most of you already know that. And then again, the number is 646-716-9922. And uh, I've got a couple of little, I've got about two minutes worth of uh, messages to play. Great. Gina, and then we'll get back to more of you right away. That sounds great. Thank you. <sighs> Ugh, what a day. I just need some me time for once. Yes. Perfect! I got the new bath bombs today! Peach and clove, here we come! Mim and the Anvil makes the best smelling herbal blends of bath bombs. You can order loose or ground herb, added buttermilk, extra large, even ones with hidden gifts inside. There are over 25 essential oil varieties. After today, my body definitely needs some spiritual nourishment. And lots of fizz! Her metaphysical blends are soothing in more ways than one. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. Make time for yourself. There are over 100 herbal blends of bath bombs. Keep a healthy body and mind. Feed your soul. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. If you don't make time for yourself, no one else will. I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? I mean, this whole pandemic. I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore. You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right, that was a good thing, was the Madame Perry Salon. I mean, this podcast, right, when you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh. Right? When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the duck, I'm like, she's going to an interview, and I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? Oh, Sebastian, don't say such things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing the dogs aren't barking right now, that's for sure. Okay, so we're oh. back. We are <laughs> so it's Tina Terrell, author of The Wise Women, uh, Mothers of the Strangers, actress, writer, Gosh, say musician, singer. I'm learning all kinds of stuff about you. Oh and, no, trust um, me, I'm not. You don't want to hear me sing. I, I took lessons, but I wouldn't say that they paid off. <laughs> so, <thank> you. <laughs> uh, what do you think I'm going to say, Maestro? Hit it. So, um, no, please don't. <laughs> oh. 
I had a uh, I had a message from uh, Patrick in Maryland in uh, Germantown, and they said we're listening to this together. We are loving. We're already fans of Gina, and we can't wait oh. to get this book. And we're just enjoying it. Uh, thank you, Gina, for your excellent books. Oh. oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. I mean, it that that means a lot. Thank you for taking the time. Not just to read them, but to reach out and let me know. That's fantastic. I hope you. I really hope you love the wise women. All right. Thank you, Patrick and and uh, Marilyn. Um, I was noticed too. I was reading some reviews on Goodreads, and I saw there was one um, a guy named Kyle. You probably read this, and he starts off with honestly, I and then in caps, adored this book. I'll just start with that and get it off my chest. I'll recommend it to anyone, especially women, but to young people in general, and also families of all forms and kinds, shapes and sizes. Such a modern and fresh look, and truly from an author. Um, let's see. I did get to read this in advance. He says, lucky for me. Um, but he goes on about um, how the story, uh, how, how you weave the characters and the stories and the relationship between uh, the women. Also, he likes hearing about the stories about the boroughs of Brooklyn and Queens because he knows the area. Yeah. And I thought, you know, when some people, you know, they use one, one expression I don't really hear a lot anymore is chick lit. But I'm interested now when finding men who enjoy reading stories, even if it's character driven uh, and the characters, the main characters are women. A lot of men who, see, I always tell my husband he's the more evolved of his species. But mm-hmm. I always, but I also see a lot of other men now coming, um, stretching out their, their uh, reading material and, and what they want to learn about and know about and read. Mm-hmm. And do you find that as well when you, when you are having I do. Yeah, I do. You know, I'm really fortunate. My dad is a gracious reader. And and he has never made a distinction, which I think is really great. I mean, you know, even even with like for example, quote unquote genre reading, right? And he loves a good detective story or a good political thriller. Um, but you know, for him, it's just a good book. So uh, he always really encouraged my writing, and he really believed in my writing. And um, and it's funny because when I said, oh, you know, Dad, I just want you to know. I'm going to be leaving acting and I'm going to be focusing on writing. You know, um, he very kindly didn't say, oh, my gosh, you're leaving one incredibly difficult career to go to another. He just said, fantastic. <laughs> you know, I always, I always thought you were a great writer. I always thought that was your calling, which is just, you know, so, so lovely and so supportive. But he, he's a really, really big writer. And he doesn't, he doesn't make that distinction between, oh, this is a book for women or this is a book for men or this is a genre or this is, commercial fiction or this is women's fiction or this is literary fiction, you know, and he probably, I mean, he reads more than a book a week. And so you know, during really the height of the pandemic, when we were all just meeting outside, we would meet on my front porch and, um, and exchange books, you know, I would, uh, and I was just so lovely. And then, you know, and, and my mom who, you know, she was sort of a sporadic, but she's a reader, but she would sort of go for one style and spend time with that one style and take a big break and spend time with another, you know, style, sort of thinking of them more in the ways that we're saying, you know, not to. Um, and she just, she got so much more into reading. She's also like a very busy person, just having the time. And so then the three of us would start exchanging books, you know, and my husband got in on it as well. And my son is a, is a big reader. And so, 
you know, we're passing around right now, you know, we're all reading um, Percy Jackson, right? I mean, it's wild yeah. fantasy, you know, and my husband is reading it. I've got a copy. My son's read them all. So we're all going to talk about that. You know, and there's something that's just so great about loving a book because you love the story, you love the writing, and mm. you recognize that it can be enjoyed by everybody or not enjoyed by everybody. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many choices, but it shouldn't be, oh, well, this is this age or this is this gender, you know, or this is this style. Like, I think it really should be, you should just look at the story and what moves you. Um, and I've noticed that that's really been even more so the case in the last few years. And so I was thrilled, um, you know, I'm thrilled to hear that from Kyle. And also, um, you know, I had a, a really good friend of mine read the, the book when it was finished. I didn't have too many people read the book when I was working on it. I kept it really, really close. And, um, and he's, you know, he's quote unquote, a very literary writer. And I don't know if you normally pick up a book like this and had nothing but great things to say, like just really enjoyed it. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good reminder for all of us to just, you know, open up our thinking mm-hmm. in terms of the type of things that we read. There's so much out there. Why limit yourself? Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's just like giving yourself more desserts and more special things. Yeah. You know, the more you try. Yes. And always for more desserts. Yeah. And my, you guess my husband and I read, and we begin exchanging books a lot, especially when I'd be reading something or maybe I'd start to laugh. What? 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 And I'd stop yep. and read it to him. And then he'd get to a book and say, oh, you got to hear this. you got to hear the way this is written. And he'd read something oh, to I me. What he was. Oh, isn't that fun? And... um just to share books. I said, okay, I want to read that when you're through, you know, and, and same. And uh, it's so great. Also, oh, here's one of my regular listeners, um, James, and he, he's messaging him because he works at, at a hospital in Tucson. And he said, uh, everything Gina has said like in the last 10 minutes is exactly what I was going to say. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, thanks, James. I appreciate that. That's so nice. You know, I'm not the one great. working in a hospital, though. It's easier on my end, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he says, I'm going to get this for my wife and I can share it. Uh, thank nice. you. Oh, that's really wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope you love it. Yeah. Please. Uh, um, I'll like to see if I could read another bit of a, a review from the Goodreads. Shannon says, Sorrel brings a spark to her characters that is rare and brilliant. The struggles this family face are so true to life, authentic and messy. Not only can readers relate, they will find themselves up way too late into the night to discover what happens with this wise (laughs) family. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, and, and then she says, I could see this novel becoming a movie. Now, you may not want to talk about that, but I can see. And, you know, when I was thinking about Wendy Wise, I could see um, uh, Debbie Reynolds, especially when she played Will's mom in Will and Grace. <laughs> that was such a great character. Such a great character. Oh, my gosh. That show. I love that show. That was such a great character. Yes, sure. I mean, I think uh, it, it is interesting. Like this, this book felt. Um, it does feel. I think it's very. It is very visual. I think it does lend itself really well, mm. you know, to to film or to television. And I think, 
It's also, interestingly enough, I think part of that is, um, unlike Mothers and Other Strangers, which had a lot of, you know, flashback sort of, and then present tense, flashback and present tense, you know, so much of this, I really try to just try something different and really um, have, although there are times where the characters, you know, reflect back or we do have a scene in the past, you know, so much of it is, is uh, in present day or, or 2017, rather. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to keep that, that, that story, that front story actually happening in the present moment to really keep the pace driving it forward. So I wonder if that's also uh, allowing people to kind of see it visually that way. Hmm. Maybe so. It. because I'll take it. Because <laughs> I'll see um, there is you and... Lee Murray, I don't know if you know, she's an Australian author. Uh, her book is more like like um, action, fantasy, a little bit of, I don't want to say horror, but like adventure where they find maybe some like giant. Thriller. thriller. Thriller, that's it, yeah. And yeah. you both write in, in a way to where I feel like I'm seeing the, seeing it as, as a film. It's, uh, what, what's, what's the word? Cinematically? Um, wow, that's great. Thank you. The, you see why that you're the writer and not me. <laughs> No, not at all. No, I think it's uh no, I really appreciate that. I think there's, I wonder if that's, if it had also that's just that comes from having worked as an actor, you know, so you get so much. I mean, I think about when I work with scripts, you know, I will build backstory for my characters. I would know where mm-hmm. they'd come from and what they've been up to and what they were doing, but it wasn't necessarily in the script. I mean, you have 80, 95 pages, you know, whatever it is these days. Um, to get the story out, right? And so you're not going to say everything that made the character the way they are. You just plunge in. And you have to use what we know in present day to really illuminate who the character is and the actor fills it in with the rest of it and the ensemble work and the direction. You know, we um, ascribe so much of that to them. We grant that to them, you know. I feel like people get to the essence of it faster. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's something I, I really like. Like, I like... I, I really like to leave a lot to the imagination of the reader, you know, in terms of details of what a character looks like or maybe, you know, like I, their age. I feel like you get a sense of their age, you get a sense of mm-hmm. their appearance, you know, but it's also really important to me that the reader sees themselves in these characters. And so um, I'm hope, so I try to make it, it's going to sound strange, I try to make it, cinematic in terms of you're, you're really seeing the essence of the people, you know, and then you're following them on their journey. And I think that we, as readers, fill in a lot of that for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. That's a, that's the style thing. You know, I know some people are really phenomenal with all the details of, of the room or a sense of place or a feeling. And I like to leave some of that. I like to, I like to include the reader in that process of creating um, what that looks like in their mind to them. So I try to do just enough um, and then hope that, you know, people come along for the ride and, and also participate in it. I think of it as participating in it. Yeah. With, uh, um, let's see, another person says, uh, Paula, Gina Sorrell navigates the intersections of themes such as motherhood, gentrification, mental health, ageism, and so much more in such an authentic and relatable way. Um, and she said, I love the complexity of the wise women's relationship with one another and how by the end of the book, 
as a reader, I felt deeply connected to all of them. Do, do you? I hope you don't mind me reading these bits of reviews, but oh, I nice. like what people no, that's, soul oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think that's no, that's really lovely, and I and I love that you know she thought that the the characters were complex. Like that's really important because I think we all are. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody is is just one thing, right? And. Mm-mm. You know, and at different times of our life, we're maybe more one than the other. You know, different sides of ourselves come forward. Um, but to me, that's also about the growth of the characters, you know. And I think that's something which hopefully we're always all doing. We're always all growing and moving forward in our lives. And um, it's not always easy. And there's going to be struggles along the way. But my hope is that, you know, people will think it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Someone also in another, and I don't, it's probably near me, but I can't find it, also mentioned the fact that in the story, um, because of um, Clementine's son, Jonah, that it really gave a, 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 I can't remember the exact words, but what they were saying was made a great picture of the state of of education in New York. I mean, Jonah's, yeah, I mean, Jonah's a boy who has a, he has anxiety mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and so then, and, and we get to see how that manifests itself and, and, um, you know, excuse me, and how Clementine tries to manage it, you know, and tries to um, make things, you know, put him at ease. Um, and when it looks like he might have to switch schools, you know, that she knows that that's something that's going to disrupt him terribly, right? Especially since he's at a great school for, for you know, um, with a great teacher and a great program. Um, and it's interesting because I know that, you know, with a lot of people, a lot of schools, like a lot of uh, public schools, you know, really do suffer from having underfunded, you know, underpaid teachers mm-hmm. or they're underfunded or the classrooms are overcrowded. And, you know, there's not always the resources to create separate programs. Um, some schools have a system where, you know, once you get into the school, you're fine. You can stay there even if you move. Um, other schools like, you know, uh, in Canada, in my neighborhood, uh, in Toronto where I am, you know, if you, you, you can get your, your child enrolled in kindergarten in the great area that you live in, but if you move out of that area, you're supposed to remove yourself from that school. The school doesn't have to keep you. Like you've lost mm-hmm. your spot. So then what happens if you can no longer afford to stay in that area? You know, what mm-hmm. happens if maybe you had to sell your house or you couldn't, you weren't able to be a homeowner. Maybe you were renting and then, you know, the rent house that you're renting, somebody else wants to sell or, you know, and it's, it really, um, that kind that concern, that stress, that fear of being uprooted is also something that I wanted to take a look at, uh, because I think those things are really interconnected and you know, mm-hmm. schools that have, that are really well funded and they're often, often are really, you know, there's, there's more money in the community. So there's also maybe the school can't provide it and the parents get involved and they do fundraising. You know, I know that I, I've been a part of that as well. You know, um, where like at a school that my son used to be at, you know, there was excellent fundraising from all the parents that got involved and, you know, to the point where the school decided, you know what, we're going to split our funds with another school that doesn't have the, the ability to fundraise the way that everyone does. You know, not everybody wants to come out to the fair and spend four dollars on a lemonade, you know, or like five dollars <laughs> on a game of Dunkin', right? You know, and that 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 affects it. So, um, so I'm glad that I'm glad that, that 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 struck a note with people because I think that is a really present concern for 
for parents is the quality of their education for children and all the all the different things that you have to navigate in terms of the requirements of all the different schools within and, the public and school also, system too. And also puts the extra pressure on the mother, on Clementine. And then, um, yeah. and of course, you know, as, as an aunt, I love Barb because, and Jonah because I think an aunt is a special calling. I think so too. You know, I think it's, and that was really important to me to have, um, to have uh, a strong female character in the in the book that wasn't a mother, I think mm-hmm. that's really important. That always is important to me. And uh, you know, I have lots of really amazing friends who are great aunts, and uh, and they're, you know, and they're just and they're just terrific with kids. But it's just they're just not parents themselves, you know. And it's a, it's a really special relationship. And so I wanted to. That was really important to me that. Um, you know, that Barbara had a special place in Jonah's life and a special relationship. You know, and she's the one with the phone that she loads up all the programs on it for him to play on, you know. And she's the one that's like, here, Dave, keep the 10 bucks by yourself, something, you know. And, and you can tell, like, you know, they adore one another, right? Yeah. And yeah, uh, she, she has that freedom, too. She has that ease with him that, you know, Clementine as a mother is not always going to have, right? Right. So right. I'm, I'm really glad. They're their buddies. What, um... Of the things that you've read in reviews and the pe- what people have told you, uh, either in other interviews or, or reviews about the book, what do you feel like has come closest to, to what you had in your heart and your intent for this book? Oh, wow. Such good questions. Um, you know, it is about the complicated nature of those relationships between the mother and daughter and sister. I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like, honestly, I feel like readers have really got, I feel like readers have really gotten this book, which has been pretty amazing. I love that people have, mm-hmm. have talked about that. I love that they've talked about the way that we're trying to, to find our, you know, to find our own paths and to, um, that this, these issues that we are dealing with, I agree, we are, you know, the book does deal with, you know, uh, does touch on gentrification and aging and, um, and class and um, it also, you know, and, and deals with, you know, family issues and marriage and love and parenting. Um, you know, Amanda Iyer Ward, who gave a really lovely blurb for the book, um, she talked about how it's also about finding how vital it is to find out, how vital it is to us to belong, you know. Yeah. And I think that that's really true. Um I was so lucky. I mean, the, the, the women who blurbed this book were just, I've often looked at their blurbs. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. You know, really, like, I'm like <laughs> better than me. That's exactly what it is. You know, but like, you know, Amanda R. Ward, she said, you know, it's a smart and tender novel about how hard and vital it is to find the place where we belong. And I, and it is, you know, to me, so much of my writing is always about belonging. I mean, I only have two books out, but, you know, I have the other books that you write and you put in your drawer and you're trying to figure out what they are on the way to writing the book that you want to write. Um, and belonging has always been a really big theme for me, you know, finding, writing about people finding their place in the world, finding their identity, understanding themselves and knowing what it is that they are meant to do and where they want to go. And um, I think we all look to belong in some way. We all want to be a part mm-hmm. of something you know, and to know that, you know, who we are matters. 
right? And, yeah. and what we do matters to someone. And whether that is something, advice that we give that matters to someone or the way that we parent that matters or the way that we look out for, support someone that matters, you know, I think we're all looking to, to understand that, that sense and to, to find that sense of identity and belonging. Indeed. And, uh, and the, uh, the quote from Amanda R. Ward, it's on her website, ginasorel.com, G-I-N-A-S-O-R-E-L-L.com. Um, it's up there to the right of the book underneath coming April 5th, 2022, HarperCollins. So, um, you'll see the quote from uh, Amanda R. Ward, as well as several other fabulous writers. That's got to be feel, feel good, your colleagues. Amazing, amazing. Great you know, support. it was a, yeah, incredibly, incredibly generous. You know, I, I mean, Courtney Mom, Jane Rosen, Meg Mitchell Moore, uh, mm-hmm. Leon Dolan. I mean, come on. I just, uh, it's an mm-hmm. embarrassment of riches. And it's a real <laughs> act of generosity for these women, too, because, you know, you're standing in their book and saying, hey, I know you've got no time whatsoever because you're busy writing your own <laughs> fabulous novels. Do you mind taking time to read mine? And then if you like it, say nice things. And if you don't, then maybe just don't say anything. (laughs) So it's a big ask. It's a really big ask. It's a really big ask. But they're they're, they're all really wonderful. So that gives you, uh, and of course they gave them to you to, um, I believe they want you to wrap them around you like a cashmere shawl. Oh, and I have a message from Vinita, uh, Vinny, uh, and from uh, Arden, North Carolina, and she said, mm-hmm. "I was listening in tonight and um, had a good time. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank, thank you, you Vinny. So thank you. So uh, it has. I, I know I've kept you too long. It has been an absolute joy. I am so grateful that you were so generous with your time, Gina." Oh, my absolute pleasure. I really enjoy this. I'm sorry that I'm going to have to ask this man to stop fanning me, but, uh, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, he's he's on salary. He's going to keep on going as long as as I can. (laughs) Well, he's on your salary, not mine, but but I really, I I really know this is terrific. It's all good in the genie bottle. (laughs) 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 I treat everyone well. Uh, Thank you so much, Say hello to Carolyn if you see her for me or talk to her. And, I will for uh, sure. I will best, for sure. Very best of luck with the wise women. Not that you need it from me. The wise women is, is, is this is going to take off madly. Um, it already has Thank begun. You. And so grateful for you, for you taking the time to write this story. And, uh, and, and again, your generosity and being here for us and, it's just, I just can't wait for the next one. So uh, please come back. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to come back. And I really, I really appreciate it. Yay, Such a great thank time. Thank you. Maybe Such we'll just have show. a little pajama party type show where we're all on, but not really being seen in our pajamas, but just, you know, we'll all come on and talk. <laughs> um, all I'm the cool there. people you know. All right. And so for everyone else listening, I want to say, as I always do, uh, thank you. Be good to yourself. Be good to each other. And there's my motto. Everybody's got to swing. Thank you, Carol, uh, Caroline, for uh, the kind things you said. Thank you, Gina Sorrell, author of The Wise Women. And I am Jennifer Perry saying, Gina, bye. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.